Shapeshifters. Shapeshifters on The Money Show. What we like to do on a Wednesday night is we find somebody interesting and then we interrogate them for 20 minutes. And if you would like to interrogate them, we invite you to interrogate them too. Uh, Mike Tecker's eyes have just got bigger. He is uh, the chairman of the Chamber of Mines or president of the Chamber of Mines. He, uh, he ran Optimum Coal for six years before it was bought out by Glencore. He worked at Impala Platinum. He's worked at uh, Unilever and a Bayer and a BHP Billiton. But let's find a little bit more uh, out a bit more about Mike Decker, who um, is turning 50 years old this year. Have you had your 50th birthday this year? Not yet. Not 15th yet. 15th of August. 15th of August. Is, is, is age a number or is it, is it significant? I don't care about the age, actually. It's insignificant to me. Where were you born? Guatemala in Springs, yes. Okay. Well, what did mom and dad do at Guatemala in Springs for you to be born there my, 50 years ago this year? My mom died in 1973 when I was still a youngster. Mm. And I, don't, I happen not to know my father. I okay. was raised by my grandmother. As so, as so many South Africans are. I mean, Absolutely. she must have been an, an amazing woman. Too. Well, my grandmother was a tough, tough disciplinarian. Actually, in the family, we joke about it now. She died in 1979 when I was still a kid going to high school. But I've lived with those values, you know. What values did she teach you? Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy. As <laughs> paid off, it has, I it think. Is, absolutely. Um, but, but I mean, but but so many South Africans have grown up uh, through, through through various reasons um, for, in in that sort of family structure. And I mean, we're a country built on the backs of many many grandmothers. I absolutely, absolutely, yes. Uh, she had ten children, and my mom was number nine of the ten. And uh, when my mom died, we are four in the family. I've mm-hmm. got two el- my two eldest brothers. Uh, the other, and then I've got a sister, and I'm the last one. Mm. And uh, the focus was more on me with my grandmother. Why did she pick on you? I think she loved me dearly, oh, and uh, yeah. there was something something special. She used to she used to walk with me to school. You know, having grown up in a township, mm. Guatema, it's a black township, and yeah. was, as you can see, I look coloured. And everybody used to tease me when I grew up. And, and my so grandmother Granny was there to look after you. <laughs> <laughs> sort out the sort out the mean kids. Um you you graduate, you you get your matric, um and then you study education. Why education? What what was it did you feel some need to go and teach? Well there was a need for me to I was I, I went to university. I never had like a father figure or somebody who would direct me and say, I'd like you to, to be a doctor or an accountant. If you had to ask me today that go back and study, I'd love to be a CA, you know. Yeah. Those are smart people. But then I chose education and I ended up being a teacher to finance my studies. The government was paying for it at the okay. time. Exactly. And was that 1980? 1985. Okay. 84, I worked for a year in Springs for a company called Fenlier. What did they do? Uh, packaging okay. and I worked for 12 months night shift oh. trying to raise money to go to university I've got a friend Muzi Kuzuayo who can yes. tell you the stories and a friend, another friend of mine Tabo Mura they can tell you sto- the stories of me working 12 months and then 85 I had raised enough money to pay admin uh, registration fees and then I took a buzzer from the government and studied to be a teacher. What gave you that determination though to do it? I've got that energy I've got that determination I, I fight you know not physically, of course. No, no, no. Um, yeah. you're, not, you're not a big guy. No, nah, I'm a determined person. <laughs> you, you have to, I you make things to happen. Other, other ways. Yes. Um, so you go to the University of the North. Um, you get your BA honours. You go get your honours degree from Rao yes. um, in, in the mid-90s. That must have been an interesting time to be in Rao. 95, 96 yeah. at Rao. And interesting enough, I'm sure you've noticed that I, I sit on the council of, UG, of the university oh, now. Yes. Okay. And uh, I did my honours. And then after that, it was UNISA. I did my MBA. Was that and, useful, uh, doing an MBA via correspondence? 
at that time, I was focusing more on my career. I worked at Bayer and my big dream was to be the big boss, you know. And uh, I've always had that ambition that one day I'd love to be a CEO. And uh, I, I try to work hard. And What makes anybody in their right mind want to be a CEO? It's a demanding, life-destroying, stressful occupation. I've heard it from my wife that <laughs> it changed me and uh, it's not that easy. But my my dream has always been I want to end up at the top of the uh, of the of the food chain as they call mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your first job after while you were getting that MBA? I'm assuming you were working um, while doing your honours, maybe, and your MBA. Where were you working in '95? Well, 1992, I left teaching. I joined Unilever. I became a graduate trainee at Unilever. And Unilever's also produced an extraordinary generation of that's South African leaders. That's the best organisation to start with, you know. That's now, Kevin Hedewick, the chief yes. executive of Famous Brands, would disagree with you. He says SAB Miller is South Africa's no. best on-the-job MBA. You'd say Unilever is Unilever. The rural causes of this world, that's the best plat- uh, foundation that you can go through. Just give me the context of rural causes and Unilever? No, I'm just giving he, he come. He, he, uh, did he come from Unilever I think too? he worked for Unilever okay. as well. So I've always looked up to such people, but it's a great organization. But Unilever seems to uh, produce a lot of marketers, a lot of brand specialists, people who, who are in marketing and branding and, uh, and go through South yes. Africa's companies today. It's a brand-driven t- company. People, yes. people learn that skill there. Absolutely. What, what did you, where did you work with Unilever? Cause I was in human resources. I came through the human resources route you know i'm one of those few ceos who came through human resources is it valuable extremely because it's people orientation businesses are driven by people and uh, i I want to get on to people and the mining sector in just a bit and and how you take those hr skills and then apply them in what is a massively fractious mining sector at the moment we'll we'll get there in just a bit um unilever then to bayer and then PHP Bulletin, what did you do? Also, you, also HR there? Yeah, I, I've moved through HR. Uh, Bayer owned two mines uh, in Chrome and Fluospa. Yes, a lot of people never noticed and knew that. Okay. And then I moved from Bayer to Samanco, uh, which is owned, owned by PHP Bulletin. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was still Bulletin. Yeah. When the major happened, I was in, at Bulletin when Brian Gilbertson and... Uh, uh, and Genco and Genco, yeah. they created the, 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 the big PHP bulletin today. Uh, I saw the headline. I didn't have time to read the story today, but PHP bulletin about to sell its last South African assets. I've, I saw that story mm. today, and, I was and it's sad, isn't it? I mean, it's the end of an era. Uh, Brian Gibbonson did what was the biggest mining deal in the world at the time. Gencore was powerful and enormous with BHP Bulletin, and South Africa, with all of its issues, we've kind of lost, uh, fallen off the BHP Bulletin radar. But that's a great opportunity for us as South Africans. We need to look for those opportunities and buy these assets and build a South African-based mining house. We have Exaro, we have Arm, we have. We need more of those and start competing globally. Okay, so in every, every cloud does have a silver lining Absolutely. on that particular front. Um, then Impala Platinum, um, which is also relevant to, to, uh, to our conversation later. How long did you spend at Impala? Three years, full three years, yes. And uh, at that time, up, I had Up left, until when? Uh, 2005 to 2008, okay. early, yes. And then I moved across to start Optimum with the four, found, uh, we were five founding members of Optimum Coal. Up until that point, you've got absolutely no exposure to the coal industry whatsoever? I had. Wait, I, where? At BHP Bulletin. Oh, BHP Bulletin. Yeah, okay. from 2000 to 2005. Okay. I was the head of HR for Ingwe Collieries. Okay. Yes, and that's where I got to... Un- get an understanding of coal and what coal is all about. I'm not an expert in coal, but... But you love this stuff. I mean, I love coal. I'm a coal bull. What, what, what is it about dirty, filthy carbon that excites you so much? Number one, 
I believe, if you if you notice, South Africa, 94% of our electricity is still generated yeah. from coal. We export coals. Last year, we did 70 million tons of that exported. Through Richards Bay, uh, which, through you, Richards Bay, which, which you chair. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the interesting thing about coal, yes, it's it's a fossil fuel, carbon, but we need to work. We're working hard in ensuring that we, we deal with the environmental issues that come up with that. Um, having, having a look here um, at, at, at Optimum Coal, you, you started and there were four investors with you. There were five. We were five. It was, uh, the, yeah, we were five members of Optimum Coal, the founding members of Optimum Coal. And, and, we, and how did you get together? Who were the, who were the other four? Well, they, my partner who I worked with at the start was Peter Gain, who was my partner in one of the small projects okay. called Flakfontein. And we vended the project into the uh, part of the Optimum Coal with a gentleman called Tom Borman. Mm-hmm. Bo- uh, Borman, not Borman, Boardman. not Boardman, uh, okay. yes. And then there were two gentlemen, Mr. Uh, Dr. Mlungi Sequini and Mr. Eliphas Mungwe. Who, he came from BHP Bulletin as well. And we put together all our interests in one place and we started Optimum. And they and I became the CEO, the founding CEO. So finally you reached this, this goal of being the chief executive. Dream, yes. But why don't you stop at that point? Because you, you run Optimum Coal for five or six years yes. and then um, sell it off to Glencore. Well, Glencore comes in, they get excited with the asset and they buy the asset. And uh, I, a lot of people have had an, uh, a view that I will walk away and in a way retire or something like that. I'm not going to retire. I'm busy working on another big coal project that I believe will come into fruition later. And I'm the president of the Chamber of Mines. I'm the chairman of the Richards Bay Coal Terminal. And I sit on the council of UJ running mm. these two business and running my own business. So Mike's son, what's your son's name? Buicano. Buicano. Yes. I'm sorry, Buicano, that I butchered your surname. I really am sorry. I don't know why I've always referred to Mike Tike as Mike Tike, but he's Mike Teke. Um, and, and so there we go, Buicano. I'm sorry that I've butchered your surname and your dad's surname. He says, Dad, I hope you see this. Mr. Whitfield is butchering the surname. The surname. Uh, Mike Teke is, uh, and you've never corrected me. I'm quite hurt. Um, tell me, Mike, now, here you've got a situation. Oh, here we go. Somebody wants to talk to you. Moses in Northcliffe. Um, you want to talk about or to Mike? Hello, Moses. How are you? Very good. How's it? I'm good. Ma- Hello, Mike. Hello, Moses. It's Moses, the guy. So you're you know, member. Now, don't How give me you? trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, Mike, I just want to say that I'm so glad I'm getting interviewed. And, and, um, and you're one of the best CEOs that I've ever worked under. And you... Thank you know, you. even though I've given you so much hustle Thanks, from Moses. the union side, but you were, you've got the heart for the people. You know, I was, I was telling the lady earlier on that you, 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 you believe in South Africa so much that you put your own pocket money into investing in the South African education, the project that you have done in Guatemala. No, and, you. and you, 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 you're an awesome guy. Like, um, I'm, I'm, yo, I'm excited to hear your voice. You're, you're, you're a trade Thanks, unionist, Moses. are you, Moses? Sorry? You're a trade unionist, are you? Yes, I was. I was. Um, and now you live in Northcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, yeah. Moses, that's fabulous. Thanks so much for Thanks, your Moses. call. Thanks, Moses. Thank uh, you. The project in Kwatema, what's that about? Well, I adopted the primary school that I went to. And uh, the most important thing that I feel strong about is our kids don't read books. Mm-hmm. So I said I'll invest in building a library. We converted a classroom into a library. We equipped it with uh, equipment. We bought in books. 
and we appointed a librarian. And, uh, Which is absolutely crucial. Because so many schools get books dumped on their doorstep yes. and they don't get categorized, they don't get filed. There's nobody to guide the children through the process of reading and Precisely. learning the magic of books Precisely. when the projects fail. And then every year what we do, we have a prize giving for the kids who've done well and we pay, we give them prizes. like And you give them books? Vouchers and, give, and books, yeah. Mm. Oh, that's that, that's fabulous. Um, when we, we look at the situation which the mining sector finds itself in now as president yes. of the Chamber of Mines, the, the structure of the Chamber of Mines always uh, befuddles me because it's predominantly gold-focused. No, it's not. It's it not used to be. Fo- no, it's not. Actually, you see, that's my misunderstanding. Yeah, the Chamber of Mines has got more than 60 members, 70 members. And the chamber has got office bearers. Uh, I'm the president. There are two deputy presidents, uh, Graham Briggs from uh, Hamonia and Mrs. Kanyisile Kanyile, who is from Ang- executive director of Anglo American. She's the second. She's the other vice president. And as vice presidents, we have a council consisting of CEOs from the companies who are selected. We sit every other month. That is six times a year. And uh, there are committees within the chamber. There is a gold producing co- producers committee. There is a colorist committee, the platinum team, and quite a number of them. All these produ- all the different mines, most of the mines in South Africa belong to the Chamber of Mines. We look at the mining sector and it's a dying industry in many respects. The gold mining industry is running out of reserves. Uh, right. um, the, the platinum sector is killing itself at the moment. We've got a huge standoff between management teams which are working together and not budging on, on wage demands. We've got a very strong new trade union grouping in the form of AMCU uh, which has come to this particular party and dug its heels in. This is probably the biggest mining sector standoff we've seen in a very long time. Quite a number. Since Ramaphosa, Since 1987, yeah. yes. I think the most important thing you should first recognize is that the Citibank Group came up with a study, I'm sure you know, you know that, where they said we still have around 2.5 US trillion, uh, trillion dollars of uh, resource on the ground. Mm. And uh, the industry is vibrant. The industry has still got opportunities. The PGM space is still strong. We still have Impala, Lonmin and Anglo who are unfortunately involved in the strike. We're strong on coal, we're strong on iron ore, <coughs> diamonds and the like. But the most important thing, Bruce, you must, we, we, uh, that keeps me awake at night is, I call it a compact or a social compact, if I may call it that, where historically when we worked with National Union of Mine Workers, WASA, Solidarity, the previous, the, 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 the unions that are in the mm. industry, tradition has always been Let's seriously think about the interests of those members who happen to be our employees. You know, these, the, the, the members of unions are employees. We employ, we employ them and they join unions. Yeah. So the critical part at this point in time, we need, whether we have strike action. Like now, I'm sitting in a situation where I'd urge AMCO to come to the table so that we discuss these issues whilst workers go back to work. Why? Because we're not only hurting workers. We're not only hurting ourselves. There are families out there. Yeah. There are breadwinners. You know, if your son were to ask you a question and say, Dad, but you are employed, but why are you not going mm. to work? For me, that's a significant part of life. Why do I have to be hungry? Exactly. That's the most important part. Therefore, I believe there should be that compact where we say we disagree, but let's sit down and resolve these issues. Ten weeks is too long. You've been in HR or through your career. Throughout. Um, you've worked in HR across industries. You've worked in HR in the mining sector. Uh, what is your reading of what is really going on with the strike? We saw Marikana. Marikana um, came at a time where AMCU was finding its feet. It added impetus um, to the creation of AMCU and the growth of AMCU. It has become a very formidable and powerful movement. Um, 
um, possibly through some intimidation as well. Um, but after 10 weeks, even the most intimidated mine workers must be uh, tempted to go back to work, even if it isn't for what they, they've been fighting for. You know, Bruce, the first thing for me is the Marikana ex- incident, uh, debacle shouldn't have happened. Never. And number one, it's a tragedy that we, don't, we shouldn't wish that it should happen anywhere in the world. Number two, what is important for us, it's about leadership. You know, leadership should prevail all the time, whether in family, whether in society. Right now, my wish, and I'm communicating with Joseph Matunjo. You are. He can, con- he can confirm that. What I'm trying to get at is let's sit around the table and say, yes, we have these differences or we have what we call a dispute or a deadlock now, but let's allow the employees to get back to work, not for my own selfish interests, but for the put South Africa first. Let's worry about the country. We are a big GDP contributor. We are a big taxpayer. We pay dividends. And if people start compa- uh, uh, raising issues about shareholders, as an example, we must not forget that the PIC, the Government Employee Pension Fund, a lot of pension funds invest in these sure. mining houses for, for us to, to have growth and to have these pensioners living a good life into the future. Therefore, my wish is for Joseph to come to the table, but let's allow employees to go to work and try and continue talking. What is the feedback you get from him? I mean, you pick up the phone, you chat to each other. He's got your number. You've got his number. Um, what sense are you getting from him as to why he is being, uh, uh, why he's got the stamina he has got and the capability of keeping workers out on strike? Well, for me, right at the moment, the deadlock is. I see that we need to strengthen that compact where he's able. Historically, we've seen these situations where, as an example, a union would say, we are deadlocked, Mike. We are not going to talk. But at a later stage, you'll get a phone call or you will phone and say, let's sit around the table. Mm. This doesn't make sense. I think we need to reach that stage. But and we, but we are reaching that stage slowly. Is, is it happening? Because the, the deputy president has been a key power broker in these discussions, but Amku's pushed back against that. That's what you know, like from the outside. Bruce, from the outside, you may think that mm. we're not doing enough. You know, two hours ago, I was talking to Joseph. I'll confirm that. Uh, we've been, we, we're trying our best to ensure that let's go back to the negotiating table. But for me, the proviso is 10 weeks is too long. Let's yeah. allow employees to go back to work whilst we're discussing whatever we discuss. I mean, we've seen Anglo-American Platinum declare force majeure this week. Impala did it uh, some time ago. Yes. Um, communities are suffering. I mean, the, the Platinum Belt is struggling. The town of Rustenburg must be bleeding the from... suppliers. It, it, it has an impact just going into the community at the heart of the family as well. Yeah. And that's my biggest concern. And I'm saying tonight we'll be driving back home. I'm going to see my family. What about those families where the parents, the father or the mother or the sister or the brother, they are sitting at home. They cannot go to work. Mm-hmm. And I really urge that let's do it in the interest of South Africa. Here's a question you weren't expecting. Mto in Pretoria, you've got a question for Mike Teke. Yes, Bruce, how are you? Very good. Quick question, Mto. Good day, gentlemen. Yes, I wanted to find out what's the take of the president uh, with regards to the fo- uh, formation of a youth desk at the Chamber of Mind. Now the Chamber of Mind needs a youth league. Come on, Mto, we see what no, youth leagues have not, done. <laughs> not, not necessarily, because we have an organization called Fighted Youth in Mining, which seeks to integrate youth, mining entrepreneurs and professionals ah. in, the, in the industry. And we have already had meetings with Mr. Mabena and Erisa Martin at the Chamber. So we can fuse in a bit of youth energy in the industry, because ultimately... These young people must take over the industry and they need to be integrated now so that we don't have the same problem 20 years from now. Mto and Pretoria, thanks very much for your call this evening. Mto, I am aware of those discussions and uh, the whole youth uh, 
development or discussion around that desk at the chamber is happening. We are excited to see that there is youth who are interested, those who are qualified. There are quite a number of mining engineers, geologists who are starting at a young age to say we want to make a contribution to the mining industry. And there are a lot of youth as well who contact us directly, including myself, asking to be mentored or to be introduced to the mining industry. So we are keen on that. There we go. Mike Decker, it's been good to see you. Thank you very much for coming in this Thank evening. Andrew in Randberg says, Mike Decker of the Chamber of Mines, most inspiring interviewee, gives me hope for our future. Um, do you have the hope? Uh, you, you don't look like somebody who's easily got down. Never. I've got lots of energy. I'm humble. I was, in 2005, PHP Bulletin offered me a job to go to Singapore. And I said the party was in South Africa and it's still here. There we go. Thank you. Mike Decker, nice to see you. Chamber, uh, Chair, President of the Chamber of Mines and a whole bunch of other stuff as well.